Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer. Softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast contains discussions of child abuse, sexual repression and sexual abuse, suicide, racism, misogyny, PTSD and PTSD symptoms, and spiritual oppression and abuse including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will be mentioning some of these concepts in a general way without any graphic detail. If any of these topics or other triggering topics will be mentioned in great detail, we will let you know at the beginning of each individual episode, as well as in the show notes for that episode. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast. Uh, my name is Gabrielle Hakoen, and I am here with my co-host Sadie Carpenter. But I am not Sadie Carpenter is not the only person that is here with me today. Sadie, do you want to introduce our guest? Yes, I do. Uh, on a previous episode, I mentioned that some of the bravest and the loudest voices in the ex-evangelical and ex-IFB communities were LGBT people. And certainly one of those people that I was talking about is our guest today. Uh, we have with us Evan Jones, and he's going to share his story and answer some questions. We're going to have a nice conversation. Evan, I'm so glad you agreed to speak with us. We're so excited to have you. Thank you for having me on. I am looking forward to it. And we are fellow, uh, so, so we all have a lot in common. You and I are fellow podcasting parents. I know yes. you have your own podcast as well. Yes, I do. Yes, I do the uh, Your Queer Story podcast, which is an LGBTQ. It started as just an LGBTQ history podcast, and it's expanded into kind of a, a culture and all things LGBTQ, but we still do have a heavy focus on history. So yeah, that's what we do, Your Queer Story. 
Yeah, one of the things I just wanted to say is that when we were preparing to do uh, this interview and stuff, I actually listened to a couple of episodes, and I can say that the uh, Your Queer Story podcast is quite good. And if you are interested in that sort of content, you should definitely go check it out. Well, thank you. Yeah, I've enjoyed your podcast as well. Um, I'm a big like history podcast listener. I like I like true crime, but I don't like some of the more gory. Like we mm-hmm. only talk about murder, true crime. <laughs> so yeah. um, there's there's been some episodes of your show that I've really enjoyed. Well, we were let's uh, let's jump right into questions, shall we? Yeah. But before we do that, I just want to say uh, the Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast. Uh, we seek to bring you new episodes every week about uh, generally about Sadie's life in the uh, independent fundamental Baptist cult. Uh, but, you know, because it is Pride Month, we have decided to branch out from that. So the reason why we are doing this episode today is because we are focusing on the LGBTQ community for the month of June. We seek to promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, and freedom of religion. With all of that being said, I think now is a good time to uh, jump right into the question. So Sadie, do you want to start us off? Yeah. So I know that uh, some of our listeners may have heard, Evan may have heard your story on other social media platforms uh, or heard a little bit of it on your own podcast. But for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with you, would you um, just kind of summarize your story and how you got to where you are? Yes, yes, I will. I will try to be as brief as possible. (laughs) You're the star of this one. (laughs) You can go into as much detail as you like. All right. Well, like I told you all, I am an open book. So uh, if you have questions about things, you're welcome to ask me. But in summary, I was born into the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement. My father was attending Hiles Anderson College, which is one of the um, camps of the IFB. I know you all have talked a little bit about like the different groups that they have. I call them the Godfathers. And so Jack Hiles was the big Godfather. They are a bit like gangsters, aren't they? Yeah, right. They are. They, they like to think they are. I don't know if you've <laughs> ever, um, and this is jumping way ahead, but I don't know if you've ever read the, um, what was it, the saddest story you've ever told where they tell the story of Jack Hiles and, and all of his mm-hmm. sins are exposed and they talk about how people came after the journalist and they were like mobsters, you know, threatening to heart hurt him and chase him down. Anyways. <laughs> Um, so my father ha- was attending the Hiles Anderson College, as was my mother, and um, and then they stayed there for a little bit. They got married, they had some kids, and then they went and they started their own IFB church down in South Carolina. And then my dad passed away of leukemia. And when my dad passed away of leukemia, Jack Hiles came down to my mom because he was still very, very much involved in their lives. And he basically told her she needed to leave all of her friends and family in South Carolina. That's where she had been born and raised and my dad had been born and raised. Go back up to Indiana and, you know, rejoin his church. So from the age of eight until I was 23, I grew up in the Hiles realm of the IFB. I attended their schools. I went off and I attended their college. I worked for the college um, and in college oh, wow. my entire... Oh, no, I, I think we were at Hiles Anderson, like pretty close to each other. Where we, I was there from 2006 to 2011. Oh, barely missed you. I was there fall of 2011 to spring of 2013. Oh, yeah, literally that fall, I, that spring I had been out. I was supposed to be back that fall, but we'll get to that. So okay. I would have I caught you. 
Um, so I was, I was, so I was there in, in college for four years. At one time, my entire life, I mean, my entire life was always the IFB, let's be real. But I mean, from the moment I woke up at 5 a.m. until the moment I went to bed at 11 p.m. or 12 o'clock, I was constantly doing stuff for the church or for the college or for a ministry of the IFB. I got paid by them, which I didn't actually get paid. It all went to my tuition and everything, but everything in my life revolved around them. And throughout that entire time, I was struggling with a lot of things, you know, all the feelings that we have to repress in general. And on top of that, I was also struggling with my gender identity and my sexual orientation, which are two things that they don't discuss um, at all unless they're talking about how horrible and sinful it is. So they don't talk about it at all. No, I, I mean, except for to preach. The I did not, I did not hear the word transgender until I was twenty-four years old. I did hear the word gay and lesbian a lot because it was the gays and lesbians that had caused nine eleven and that had caused Hurricane Katrina and that had caused all the bad uh, things that happened in our world. Uh, so I did know that I knew that people could be gay, and I also knew that being gay was the worst thing. I mean, it was always tied in with being a pedophile or being a murderer. Those were the three. You know, unpardon, unpardonable sins. Well, Jack Hyle's son is allegedly two of those things. Yeah, um, <laughs> allegedly. He is allegedly all three of those things. Yeah. Hashtag, hashtag arrest David Hiles. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, we, if we want to get into the Jack Hiles bit, we can. I mean, uh, anyways. Um, so, so I went. So I was continuing through, and then I finally had a breakdown my senior year of college. I was a dorm supervisor. I had a complete breakdown. A rumor, big rumor got out that I had was demon possessed. They told me to take mm. some time. And during that time, I started, you know, doing things that regular adults that are 21 are doing. I, I, I drank a little, I went to the movies I, you know, met up with a guy and I made out with this guy. Uh, obviously, at this time, I'm living as a woman. And all of this, you know, culminates into me having to go to a counselor. And I, when I go to the counselor, I tell them that I think that I'm attracted to women. And so they send me to the Reformers Unanimous, which is the RU home is the IFB's form of rehab. And the word rehab um, connected to the RU home is is a joke. It is there's nothing rehab about it except for the fact that you get locked away somewhere. I was sent off to the uh, First Baptist Church of Hammond's RU home for six months. And in the Reformers Unanimous program, they treat every everything as a sin. So they the, what I had, according to them, was sexual sins. So my gender identity, which I still was not clear on at all, but my sexual orientation, that was all sexual sin. And so I had to treat that like an addiction and I had to go through this program. And what I found in the RU home it was that it was basically, and at this point, Jack House had died and his son-in-law, Jack Scott, had taken over. And it was basically this place where Jack Scott would send anyone who was a problem. Because I was in this RU home and I was in there with um, I was in there with, with women who had serious drug addictions. I was also in there with women who were depressed. I was in there with a girl who was dating a boy that Jack Scott didn't approve of. No real reason why. But he didn't approve of the boy, so he had sent the girl to the home. I was in there with a girl who um, wouldn't get married. And because she wouldn't agree to get married, he sent her there. So it was this really weird group of people where you had folks that had real issues and they really needed help. And then you had folks that wouldn't obey because they're you know, 25, 30, 40-year-old women. And so he sent them there. So that's where I was for six months. And 
After six months, I emerged and I was cured. Hallelujah. So two weeks after I emerged from rehab, I got married to a man. And then okay. four months after that, I realized that I wasn't cured and I decided I was going to go back to counseling. But and I'm grateful today, you know, but my husband at the time was like, I, I can't do this. You know, he just said he couldn't do it and he took off. And then he told everybody that the reason he took off was because I was gay and he couldn't deal with it. So, so he, he outed, outed you. Yes, he did. He outed me to everyone. And so then I just and then, I, you know, people did approach me and, and I was offered a chance to go back. And and there was never any clear thing of what going back would mean. But I knew from the experiences and the stories that going back meant go to some camp in Montana and whatever the hell they do to you, they do to you. And then you keep doing that. You keep doing this conversion therapy until you get cured. And I couldn't do it. So I just left. I never like formally exited the IFB. I didn't have any intention or want or desire to leave the IFB at that point. I didn't even know what was on the outside. I just knew I was too tired. I was too exhausted and I couldn't keep this up. You know, this is just like, this wasn't going away. I'd been struggling with my orientation since a child. I was six years old the first time I ever got in trouble for kissing a girl. So I, I was just, and by that time I'm 23 and I'm tired. So I just kind of drifted away. And then as I drifted away, I started, you know, trying to find another church and I couldn't find another church in Indiana at that time that would accept an LGBTQ person or an out LGBTQ person. So then I started reading books. I read all the standard books of atheism, you know, uh, the God delusion and God is not great and Daniel Danette and all of them, Sam Harris and, and studying religion in general. And, and I kind of, I just, Drew, I just ended up letting faith in general go for me. I mean, it just, it just fell away from me. And then, um, and I struggled, I did fall into a deep depression. I did struggle with addiction, ironically, real substance use disorder for several years. And then um, I w reached out and I got some help. I got some help for my substance use disorder and I started connecting with other survivors. I eventually met my wife and today my life is a thousand times better. This June um, is going to mark 10 years since I left or was detached or shunned from the IFB. And I'm doing a lot better today. I really am. That is excellent to hear. But that is quite a roller coaster that you have been on, isn't it? It is. <laughs> so I have a, a quick question about something that you said. Um, when you said that you were sent to the RU home, like who is doing the sending? Well, I... I don't know. For everybody, it was different. Um, most of the people that I I met, they had met with Jack Scop, and Jack Scop had said, "You need to do this," and he would do that. He I mean, I I actually dated a girl for a little while. Her he got her parents to trick her into going to the RU home down in Rockville, in Illinois, oh, and they she thought she was going on a tour, and then they left her there. So he would do stuff like that. But in my case, it was a little easier because my parents were so in the circle. So I met with yeah. his daughter. She got me in touch with George Rampt, oh. who was the director at the time. I don't know if he still is. And he was the one who was like, you need to get in the home. We can help you. And and, and again, I was just I want it to be fixed. I, I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I need to do this because these feelings aren't going away and I need help. Yeah. And I didn't mean to come off like I was having a problem with your wording. Um, like oh, I knew fine. Jack Scott. Like I knew him personally, so I understand <laughs> uh, the forcefulness of his personality. Yeah, yes. well, one of the things that uh, that kind of a, a little dot that kind of connected for me. So you were saying that. So in the start of the, your story, you know, your mm -hmm. mother 
uh, when when your father died. So Jack Hiles goes to South Carolina yes. and tells your mother, who is now a widow, mm-hmm. to leave everybody that she knows and to go up to Indiana to come back to like so basically let's isolate this person so that we can get this person back in, like just mm-hmm. deep and deep and deep into this organization and that kind of connected with me you know like say Jack Scop is saying I don't like this person that you're dating let me send you to this home to try mm-hmm. and disconnect you from them as as best I possibly can it's it's a way to and that's one of the things that cults always do is that they're going to try to separate people from other people who might have their best interest in mind. It's a tactic of abuse. Um, and that's just something that really jumped out to me at the beginning of your story. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and her, you know, her family saw it and my dad's family saw it, too. And they were very they I mean, they had already been voicing their concerns. But you know how you are in that. You know, my parents, when my dad was alive, had had shut them down and said, if you're going to criticize Jack Kyle's and we're not going to have a relationship. So my grandparents had all backed off. And then when Jack Scott or Jack Kyle's encouraged my mom to leave after my dad died, I mean, she had three kids under the, you know, seven and under. And when he encouraged her to leave, they once again voiced their opinions and said, this isn't good. This isn't healthy. This doesn't seem right. And she again said, if you're not going to support Jack Kyle's, then you're not supporting God and um, we can't have a, a relationship. And so, again, they stepped back and, you know, because they wanted a relationship with their grandkids. But absolutely, it's using that power and isolating and pulling the person away when they're vulnerable and, and taking advantage of that. Wow. That's I mean, that that is an incredible piece of of uh, that, that is a piece of abuse that or, or a tactic of abuse that cult leaders will often use is they will see somebody who is vulnerable and then they will try to get them isolated. I wanted to to talk about it sounds like. Like your gender identity, sexual identity was a maybe not the only factor for you eventually leaving a cult, but it seems like it was a major factor. Am I getting that kind of right? Well, I mean, it was the catalyst because I didn't have anything else. Yeah, I I consider it a major factor because I always wonder if I I was so heavily bought in. I mean, I was 110 Uh percent committed. You're totally sold out. Yeah, I was. I mean, I had dedicated my life to God. I'd had a spiritual revelation at the age of 16. At least I believed I did, you know, and <laughs> I I was committed. And so I always wonder if I if I wasn't queer, where would I be? Would I still be there? I mean, I have, I probably would be. I'd probably be speaking at some IFB, you know, teen girls youth conference today. Yeah, something like oh, that. Because I should... <laughs> oh, I would never want to. <laughs> Thank a God Christian that neither one of us ever <laughs> Thank God neither one of us ever has to go back to one of those stupid meetings again. Yeah, but also, I mean, if you weren't queer, then you wouldn't be you. You'd be a completely different person, right, dude? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just see that's that's one thing I'm consistently thankful for. And you might be the one person who is more thankful for it than I am. OK, so give us give us the deets. Is, is it are these meetings? Are they just like, uh, you know, please your man, like uh, uh, praise God, praise Jesus uh, and and. It is. Like well, the, there's definitely, I wonder, I say to you, like there's conditioning, right? Like all that, like oh, you yeah. seeing and you're up and down. They, they do this thing. They get you up and down, especially in the Christian womanhood, right? You, you're up and you're yeah. down, you're waving your hands and you're singing things that wouldn't be allowed in, in a traditional church. Well, setting. you're allowed to do it because there are no men around to be tempted right. <laughs> by your right. seductive hand waving. 
Man, that hand wave. You know what? I did watch the single ladies Beyonce video, so I do know what they're on about. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah so they it's are like, something. It's like toxic positivity conditioning and then like please your husband. So it's like mm-hmm. it's like half and half in my experience. Did you ever have the um I don't know if you guys name drops here so you can edit this out. Did you ever have the the sex talk the 72 hour sex talk you your know man what? should never what go ahead oh yeah 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 wait, there's I had a her 70 for... seven wait hold up a 72 hour you, sex talk you like should you have never to do it no. every three days yeah you should never your man should never go more than 72 hours without sex never yeah, i had her for for freshman wow. prep for leadership piles anderson jericho <laughs> program fall 2011 never forgot it <laughs> this is yeah. so wait they actually taught you this in mm-hmm. That was in class, and it was also in in that was a talk I heard her give in Christian Womanhood, and it was also a class where she would teach you how to be a good Christian wife. She also taught you not to masturbate. There was a whole big thing about how you cannot masturbate. See, I didn't sin catch it was. that because I don't think I knew what that was as an eighteen year old Hiles Anderson <laughs> freshman. So what's it? What did they call it? Oh, she said masturbate. She she's. I mean, when Sadie I doesn't there, know what that means. I like I. <laughs> I don't remember though so either like either she didn't do that in my freshman year yeah. class or possibly I just wasn't aware of the meaning of no. the word because this is you, the same <laughs> this is two years after I saw the Paula Shaft sermon and oh. knew that something was mm. up but couldn't figure out what <laughs> so in an episode that uh has not aired at the time of recording this but has aired at the time of uh of uh this episode's release it will have been the episode right before this we or, or two episodes right before this, we uh, uh, reveal that Sadie did not, in fact, know what a foreskin was for, uh, like, because they always talked about circumcision and the foreskin in the Bible, but she didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, nobody would tell me. Yeah, I mean, they didn't talk about, never got any kind of body part message or anything, nothing like that. My mother, the week of my wedding, was like, oh, so I want to have a talk with you. As mom is way too late for that. So it was literally like <laughs> like Daphne Bridgerton's mother. Like exactly. Right, exactly. I think I said yeah. something about that Why to my wife when we were watching Bridgerton. Sorry. Oh my god, dude. I watched so okay, sorry, I'm gonna get off on this Bridgerton tangent because I watched Bridgerton and like everything they say about sex was like reminding me of the <laughs> IFB. That was it. Like I was like, oh yeah, like that's like oh that's like okay, yeah, the big ball, that's like Christmas lights, okay. <laughs> Sure. Huh. Yeah, they got caught kissing in the garden. So scandalous. Definitely got to get married now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So obviously, being, uh, I guess you don't know that you're transgender while you're in the IFB. You right. Right. So how? So how does that? I guess I don't want to say. So you didn't hear them talk about transgender people at all, or that wasn't a thing. No. I'm sure that that is now a thing that they talk about because yeah, that's a thing that's I'm, in the forefront of culture. But, oh, I, I know it is because my stepfather is a big proponent against the transgender cult, as he calls it. Oh, so God. yes, they do talk about it a lot. Yeah. So how? So you didn't even know that that existed. You didn't even know that that was a thing. No, I did it. I mean, I think like there was something like they, of course, in there they conflated sexuality and gender. So they might say something about, you know, men dressing in women's clothing and things like that, but they never said the word transgender or that there was people, there were people that, you know, that their gender identity did not match their sex assigned at birth. And so 
I, I had no, I, I had no idea that was a thing that people did. And then I was almost a year out and I was dating an individual who told me that they were, well, dating is a strong word. I was casually seeing an individual who told me that they were transgender. And I was like, what is that? And they explained it to me. And I was very transphobic. I was like, why do you need to do that? I was really angry. But in my mind, I thought, that that's it. Like, that's, that's the word you're looking for. That's what it is. But I, I was not ready to face that or anything. And, and it was a long time before I would face my gender identity. Wow. So it, I mean, so it did, I, so it did sort of click right away, but it took a little bit for you to accept it. I don't, I, yeah, I didn't, I mean, my, my coming out, my first coming out was so horrendous that I knew I, I couldn't do that. You know, like the thought of having to come out and say, I'm not, no, I'm not a lesbian. I'm transgender. And I'm also, you know, pansexual or, you know, those were all words that I still wasn't clear on, but I knew that having to come out in, a second time and having to come out and say, you know, I'm actually a man. I couldn't do that. And that time period, you know, again, I was, I was deep in, off the deep end at that time. I was in a very dark depression. I had no one in my life and I couldn't handle another coming out. So I just filed it away and I, I believed I'd never would come out. Well, the first time that, you know, that I guess you didn't really come out, you were outed. So there was going to be mm. so much trauma assigned to that anyway. So that's totally understandable. Right. And it's also like, it's so not normalized that people's identities can can like shift and adjust over time. Right. Like right. somebody, like I, I have a lot of friends who, you know, oh, well, they feel like they need to like draw a very distinct line between pansexual and bisexual. Mm -hmm. um, but they feel like they have, like people feel like we have to get it right the first time. And then like, there's no fixing it if you came out as the wrong thing. And I would right. really, I really hope that that kind of continues to change and continues to get better. Like where we understand that people's identities shift throughout their lives. Well, I, and I talk when I'm talking, especially to younger people, because in my work now, I work, you know, as an LGBTQ advocate in my day job. And I, when I'm talking to young people, especially, I always try to put the emphasis on, like, you know, as our language evolves, our identities and understandings and the labels we attach to those identities might evolve as well. As we grow and understand our bodies, those things might evolve. And that's okay. Fluid is a term I use all the time because your sexuality, your gender, your expression, those things can be fluid. And there may be times in your life where it's really rigid and some people may be more rigid in their identities than others, but it is completely natural for you to grow in your own understanding of your body and to change those labels as you continue growing. Yeah, because labels are for you, right? Like they're for mm -hmm. the person. They're not for the outside world. Yeah, they're for you and they're for you to identify yourself and you to share with other people who you are. Right. 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 Is that accurate? Yeah. So um, I want to I, I, I like the way that you're talking about expressing identity. And I want to uh, that brings me to something that I wanted to ask. So that both, uh, of us wanted to ask. Yeah, that both of us wanted to talk about because so I have looked at your Instagram. Um, you are a, a fairly fashionable kind of guy. Um so that's a really good compliment coming from Gavi, in case you didn't know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, because um, Sadie has talked about, oh, how, you know, how coming. So Sadie, you know, she came out of the IFB 
and then you know you figure out how to dress yourself. So did you have to figure out how to dress yourself coming out of the IFB, and then how to figure out how to dress yourself again, being like, okay, I'm a man. What is my you know aesthetic now that like I I figured out this part as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was all very big. So I, I've heard a lot of women and or female identifying people who have come out of the IFB. And, you know, like everyone else, I had the big moment of wearing pants in public for the first time and yep. understanding how that looked on my body. Like a lot of people, I think I was maybe two or three years before I could finally wear shorts and not feel uncomfortable. Um, and I... I was always horribly dressed when I had to present as a woman because I nothing ever felt right. Nothing looked right. I, I couldn't figure it out to save my life. And in fact, the one thing about the IFB was that they were so rigid in those rules that it was kind of safe for me because I knew exactly what it was I could wear, and that was easy. Having a whole world of fashion available to me, I, I couldn't figure it out, and I, I didn't really have a desire at that time. I also had my own homophobia and I had, you know, people, you know, would say, well, if you're a lesbian, you're not going to be one of those lesbians, are you? <laughs> Referring to butch lesbians. And and I was, oh, no, no, no. And so I tried I tried all these looks that just didn't look for me. And then I kind of gravitated towards a little more masculine. And then I met my wife. And my wife told me that she really liked a masculine look. And so I was like, oh, okay, I can do that. Because um, I, I met my wife before I transitioned. And then as I started to experiment with the masculine look that clicked for me and I enjoyed that. I mean, I am probably the only mm. guy that loves a tie. I love a tie and a pocket square. If You're I not the really only get... guy that loves a tie and a pocket <laughs> square, my guy, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have that in common. Yes. So, I mean, yeah. So then I like all of a sudden there was this world of fashion that was open to me that I enjoyed and I liked and so then that really took off. I definitely found my identity in a masculine world uh, as far as fashion was concerned a lot quicker than I had all those years before, which makes sense. But yes, it was quite a journey. I would say only in like the last couple of years have I felt pretty confident in my fashion choices. Well, on Instagram, at least your uh, fashion choices look pretty good. Pretty excellent. <laughs> I would say uh, fashionable kind of guy. So that's really cool to hear. And, you know, that's one of the things that I I always talk about. You know, if you feel like you're comfortable in the clothes that you wear and you feel like you're rocking a look, you're rocking an aesthetic, that's just going to make everything else in your life just go, it, it, you know, yeah. at least if you're expressing because, you know, that's how people perceive us is, is through how they is through how we look. That's the first thing that somebody understands about you. And the first thing that somebody understands about who you are is, is how you look. And so that's something that I think is, you know, is really cool. I re I think it's really cool how you found that and how you really figure that out for yourself in a way that's excellent. So I have a, another question. Um, something that I've heard you talk about uh, on social media through Vashti Initiative is um, the fact that people who come out of a cult, sometimes they, they can't, they don't understand cultural references. They don't have mm -hmm. like hobbies or interests because like you said and like I've said a lot of times you put so much work into the IFB like you when you're in that kind of especially at Hiles Anderson you work and you go to class and you go to ministry and you work and you're just exhausted all the time and so can you talk a little bit about finding finding your interest and finding hobbies and like learning about cultural references and and what that was like 
Yeah, I mean, I had to start real basic. The one thing that I had was a library, you know, so I was grateful for that. And I, what I did is I went to the library and I I just started with the basics. You know, I got some books on on uh, science. I got some books on history. I got some books on pop culture. And I like to read. So like this wouldn't work for everybody. But you could do the same thing with podcast or with uh, or, or audio books or documentaries, you know, whatever it is. And I also went and I went to the videos. That was back when people really were um, borrowing videos from the library. And I got documentaries on the same things. And I just sat there and I watched them. And so that kind of gave me a foundation for the basic education. Because in the beginning, what was really... Like I, even the pop culture was very unsettling, but what was really unsettling is that I was, you know, I still thought the world was 6,000 years old. So I'm navigating with people. I didn't think dinosaurs actually existed. I thought you they were planet they were, earth. You're like, what the, <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm like, what are people talking about? Like, I mean, I, my best friend, Paul, who does the podcast with me today, I met him back in the early days and he was like, I said something about, well, dinosaurs are fake. And he looked at me like I had two heads. What what are you talking about? (laughs) Okay. You want to hear an embarrassing story about me relating to dinosaurs? Oh, this is great. God, he's telling embarrassing stories. Okay. So I first saw Jurassic Park. Um, and the special <laughs> effects in that movie are admittedly very good, but somebody told me that to make that movie, they actually had to clone the dinosaurs. And mm. so when somebody was like, so this is legitimately true. So Sadie told me a story about how she was argu- how she got into an argument with a guy at OMSI about how dinosaurs are fake or, or the fossils mm-hmm. are fake or something. I got I at one point got into an argument with somebody who said that dinosaurs were fake by telling them, well if dinosaurs are fake, then how did they make Jurassic Park? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that, that, if only though. <laughs> yeah, I did so now that he spilled it, I did once go to a science museum and argue <laughs> with a real scientist who has a doctor's degree in paleontology about why dinosaurs were not real. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean, that, uh, I was even after I was leaving, I was still getting in arguments with people about that. That was two I didn't years after I left. That was in 2015. <laughs> yeah. So Evan, 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 you had? Yes. Did you have ACE education? No, I didn't. I we had um, we had created our own curriculum at Hammond Baptist High School and grade school and all of those schools. Uh, was that good or? No, I mean I think it's, it was probably it's better just better than ACE, but that's about it from what I've I heard. I mean it might okay, only be better because bar. yeah, it might only ACE be better because you had classes like actual teachers, but yeah, yeah. So what like so what was like the the biggest thing that like when you found out because I I guess you're going really into documentaries, you're going really into science, you're going really into like pop culture. What was one thing that you found that you really glommed onto when you found it, and you're just like, oh, this is my thing. This is really for me. Honestly, history was, but I already I already had loved history, and now I had the pleasure of relearning history. So that was that was big for me. I don't think the rest of it, like TV shows and music, didn't come way later for me. Honestly, not to say that I didn't listen to any music or or watch any TV because I did, but I don't think that I had my interests developed. Um, it was a lot later when I really had a community of friends that I started to develop that part of my identity. That's why community and things like that are so important for people who are healing. Absolutely. But yeah, I I don't think there was, I mean, and then I did really get down a deep hole of the militant atheist for a while. And which my, my issue is understandable though. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my issue isn't with their atheism. My issue was that, you know, they wanted to rid the world of religion, which I don't agree with. I just, you know, 
I don't believe in a God. And I do think that religion can be used and can be harmful against people. But I also think that there are people that find comfort and healing in religion as well. I think, you know, it's like any institution, it's, it can be corrupted and it's how we address that and whether we're going to address that as a nation, as a society. And if we don't hold religions accountable, then yeah, we're going to have some serious issues and we do right now. Oh, you're absolutely right about that. And, you know, one of the things that I always say about this when people are always talking about, oh, religion is evil, religion is evil. Well, if you look at some of like the greatest mass murderers of the last hundred years, you know, we have Hitler, Stalin, Mao, Pol Pot, those four guys, all of them, not only were they atheists, but they were anti-religion. So, yeah, yeah, you can't you can't be like, okay, well, this is good or this is bad. You know, that's that's kind of my take on that. Yeah, I'm very much, very much pro people finding what works for them. Because I think like I've gone religiously, like the weirdest direction that anybody who's ever ra- been raised IFB has gone. That's true. Because <laughs> for you guys, uh, for the Catholics are like the, the yeah, great cause, Satan. Because like, like I'm, I'm uh, in the process of joining the Catholic Church. Um, mm-hmm. And that's like, like, like one, I like I came out, came out as bisexual LGBT like advocate and supporter and ally and everything else. And then I'm joining the Catholic church, which has like some serious work to do in mm. that area. And like some things that they are very wrong about. So then I have to come out and be like, Oh yeah, the Catholic church is wrong, but it's the way I want to worship. But also yeah. I don't believe that you should have to have it too. And it just gets very complicated. Yeah. But they need somebody like you. That's the thing. They need somebody like you to, to really be saying these things. Uh, and, and they need yeah. people who are members who are saying these things. Yeah. But Evan, you help, you help, um, so your day job, you're a, an LGBT advocate. Yes. I'm Can you LGBT- tell us Go like ahead. a little bit about what that entails? Yeah, well, I, to be specific, I'm an LGBTQ advocate for victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, and human trafficking. So Good on you, man. Uh, well, I, you know, it's a, I, we, I work at a really great organization. Um, I'm not going to say their name here because I'm not going to, I don't represent them in this moment, but I work for a good organization and, uh, you know, we, we work, we do all kinds of things from just like, you know, one-on-one advocacy with people. We provide a lot of shelter. We provide a lot of housing. We, um, like a lot of different kind of housing options for people that don't have income and with LGBTQ populations in particular, and those who have suffered these other violences on top of it, they just, they don't have places where they can go. I mean, most shelters, uh, won't even allow, trans people to be in their shelters or to be in the shelter that has their correct gender identity. And if they do allow it, there's really horrendous harassment. So we run the only LGBTQ shelter in our state and, you know, we're able to do a lot of work in helping people and it's a very rewarding job. It's, it's hard job, but it's a, it's a very rewarding job. Wow. I mean, that's, that's an important thing because, you know, vulnerable populations, man. Mm-hmm. Like, right. uh, like the more vulnerable somebody is, the more likely that they are to be victims of abuse again and again and again and again. And it's a really exactly. vicious cycle. But uh, in addition to that, you have your own organization, the Vashti Initiative. Yes. Which is a new thing. Yeah. Tell us about that. Because <laughs> that's hear, really interesting to, to us. Uh, we've been we've been recommending that um, somebody I did ask Reddit um, or Funny Snark AMA on Reddit recently. And people were asking me like. What charities do you support to help people? And honestly, you're the, yours is the only one that I know and trust. So I was recommending you everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank but can you. you tell us tell us about what you do and tell us about what you do to help people who are getting out of the IFB? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I, like a lot of survivors, if you've been on online support groups or forums, you hear survivors constantly talking about why isn't anyone helping victims of spiritual and religious abuse? Or sometimes we use the term adverse religious environment. There are some groups out there, some more now that are supporting people who have come from cults. But a lot of people are hesitant to use that word cult. And honestly, a lot of people may come from an abusive spiritual environment that would not technically classify as a cult. And so there's a lot of, I don't have personal issues with that word, but we don't use that word only because we don't want to deter people from reaching out to us because they don't think they qualify. And so basically there was a group of survivors that got together a year ago and we were talking about how we need a kind of social service agency for victims of spiritual and religious abuse, the same way that we have for victims of domestic violence and for victims of sexual assault. And there's a lot of overlap in that. I've done two online surveys with just the IFB. And in one of them, I mean, there was over 50% of the survey respondents said that they had suffered some form of domestic violence, either witnessed it as a child or endured it as an adult. And you've seen a lot. And then the, the statistics for sexual assault were even higher. And so we see a lot of these things and we see a lot of the same problems that people who have left these violent situations, similar things happen to victims of spiritual abuse and religious abuse. And it all depends on how controlling and overseeing that person's group was, but they leave these groups and they are lost in the outside world. They've been taught not to trust their government. They've been taught not to trust outsiders. Often they don't know how to navigate their resources, or if they do know how to navigate their resources, they only know how to navigate them through the lens of their former church. So they don't really know how to access, uh, say, filling out a a FAFSA or um, applying for college because they've only ever applied for college that was, you know, like Kyle's Anderson College or West Coast College. Right, exactly. (laughs) That didn't actually have real standards that you had to pass to get accepted to that college. And, um, and the same thing, like even things, I, I mean, uh, um, I've seen people who, uh, who would sign over their entire food steps, uh, food check to the church. And so they don't even know how to use the resources that they did have. There's, there's so many layers of abuse. And so we decided we would start an agency that starts to meet those needs. So as of right now, we're still pretty small. We do have, um, some volunteers in several different States, 15 States actually, And we have a hotline that runs from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, seven days a week. We want to get that to 24-7. We're not there yet. We're um, very close to adding a text line as well because a lot of people can't step away to make a phone call, but they can send a text. So we're very close to that. We run a virtual support group on Sunday nights, and we're hoping to expand to more support groups. We have our online community. And then we also have our resource navigators, which means if a person were to call our hotline or send us an email or contact us through our website at bashdinitiative.org, then uh, they, a resource navigator could contact them and help them see what's around them. Like, you know, just yet uh, this morning, I was sending a list to an individual who was seeking therapists that are specifically trained on cults. And so I, I got that information. Yesterday, someone reached out and said, I need, an, um, I need to find an LGBTQ affirming church that is not, you know, I, I'm in an IFB heavily populated area and I need an LGBTQ affirming church. And so I looked around, verified some resources for them and got that to them. And so that's, those are some of the things that we're doing right now. And then we also want to continue adding career development. A lot of people, they don't know how to build a resume. They've only ever worked in their church or in their religious environment. Again, um, navigating education. And then 
We also have our victims fund, which we're currently raising money for. And the victims fund would put tangible support in people's hands. So maybe getting them a cell phone or a bus fare to get out of there or paying for a hotel for a night, sending groceries to someone who's left their church and they don't have an income anymore or they're in a new area. So a lot of things in the works, some things happening. And that's a very general overview. Um, I hope I didn't take too much time. But yeah, that's what we're doing right now. No, I just I just enjoyed hearing that. That just made me smile. No, that's that's all stuff that is deeply important for uh, everybody who's then these are all of the things that you know if you are leaving a group like the IFB who you know that, that part of what part of what we talk about all the time that Sadie talks about all the time is that they have to convince you that it's not worth it to leave or they have to yes. convince you to you know to be complicit in your own brainwashing so these are all resources that are you know like individual pieces of tangible tangible actions that you know people can take that will actually like help somebody who just feels completely lost like they have nothing to do uh or they they don't know what to do and that's the vashti initiative yes the vashti initiative Uh, is do you have a website yes vashti initiative.org and vashti is um okay so that is so there was a king Mm -hmm. whoever was the king in esther's time right Vashti was his wife Hazardous, and then uh, I know Vashti's the girl who said. I know she's the the queen who said no to the king. Yes, yeah. So Vashti, we we chose her for a couple reasons. First of all, she's in several texts. She's not just in the Bible. She's also mentioned, obviously, in the Jewish texts. She is mentioned in um, the Quran as well. And so Queen Vashti, or Vashti, as it's sometimes pronounced, but Queen Vashti was the queen of King Ahasuerus. He's got all his guys together one night and they get drunk and he orders his queen to come in and dance before him. And a lot of people believe that that meant to dance before him naked and all of his men, which was a very degrading thing for any wife or woman, but especially, I mean, she's the queen. And so she refused him. And when she refused him, um, the, the men said, you know, you need to get rid of her. She's no good. How dare she? And there was a, when she refused him, she didn't just refuse her husband, she refused her king and she refused her spiritual authority because he was her husband and he was her king. And so in biblical standards and in Jewish standards, that was her spiritual authority. And so she's, she is, she's, she's kicked out. She's banished from the kingdom. She's never heard from again. He goes out and he finds Esther and replaces her. But we felt that her defiance and her willingness to stand up to her spiritual authority, to her leader really represented it really represented what a lot of survivors of religious and spiritual abuse do when they leave these toxic spiritual environments. Wow. That is a powerful analogy right there. It really is. is. I remember hearing her spoken about in church growing up. Um, and what I mainly remember is that in the Veggie Tales version, um, he tells her to make a sandwich and she says no. <laughs> so wait, here's a question. Yeah. So in, in Veggie Tales, if they're making a sandwich – what are they putting in the sandwich? Are there going to be veggies in the sandwich? Mm. I guess not. That That's would a good be... question. Yeah. So Veg- wait, here's cannibalism. No. What? So are, if, if Veggie Tales are they? Do they eat meat? If and, so, so yes, like they, they do. Meat. Because Mister Lunt eats a cheeseburger. So yes, they do. Eat so, they're eating, so they're eating meat, and meat is like for them being like vegetarians, like how in Twilight oh. the vampires that are like. The, the they're vegetarian if they only drink animal blood. That's I, I mean it's a it's a good point. I guess it would be, but I feel like on that hamburger there's probably some pickles and that 
That's a lot. That's yeah, yeah. man. No, we're, we ask the big questions on <laughs> leaving a big eating hard hitting podcast. And then, were you allowed to watch Veggie Tales growing up? I was allowed to watch some of them. Some of them Did my parents thought to? was too much, but yeah, some Did of them. You? <laughs> so we were allowed to watch Veggie Tales, um, but we had. To... <laughs> Sorry, this cracks me up. Did to you have to day. turn it down. No, we had to skip the Bible verses because they weren't oh. King James. Oh my God. No, I don't remember <laughs> that. But I there were some songs that my parents thought were too rocky or something. And so they had to skip forward. And then especially as, as I guess they got a little like n- the newer versions, we didn't watch many of those because they were getting too worldly. So here's yeah. a question. So you're like... Oh, oh man! So these these songs are too rocky. Like I gotta see what like what are they keeping from me? And then you turn it on, and you're like, man, this is the best song I ever heard. <laughs> oh, I mean, that was that was me with Disney songs until my mid twenties. You know, I'm you like know what, sneaking though? Disney in <laughs> Disney songs. Fucking slap sometimes. They do. What kind of, what kind of music do you like in general? Huh? Like, what kind of music are you into? Oh, I, I, I'm into like grunge rock now. Um, okay. Like some yeah. Pearl Jam. Oh dude. Yeah. I'm like the biggest like heavy metal fan. I yeah. This is hardcore metalhead. There you yeah, go. I, I push my child out to black metal. So you're not going to well, offend me with I, any I, kind I of music I, choice. <laughs> I don't want to diss my own form of music, but I also feel like growing up without having real musical taste, I, you know, I just went <laughs> like, it's awful. My wife can't stand it. She's a beautiful, like she's, she sings and she's a musician and she's really talented and she can't stand what I listen to, but I don't have any kind of a musical ear, so whatever to me. Yeah, but like I, I gotta say, first of all, Sadie, pushing out a baby is metal as fuck. Uh, That's absolutely true. Yes, absolutely true. It's like some brutal shit. Like, uh, but but like I, I feel like being really into grunge is very much like a, a, a I don't want to say militant atheist, but like it is very much like part <laughs> yeah. of you know you know it's that yeah. aesthetic where it's just like it's the nineties and I'm an enlightened dude. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. if yes. I'm, grown I'm up. Paul Rudd in Clueless. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, that is what it is. But if you had grown up like in the normal world in the same time, that you could have conceivable conceivably been yes. into that. Very, like in, yes, in real life. Like 1990? 88. 88. Okay, yeah. So you yeah. so what yeah, would so have you been like listening to, to in high Jonathan's school? Asian Maybe you would have been listening to like uh so what you would graduate in like 2006, 2007. Yeah. When, okay, like my husband Lincoln is Park. one year. Yeah, my husband um, is one Lincoln year Park, older. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah and he says <laughs> he says Slipknot and Lincoln Park were big. Yeah, <laughs> get that. Uh, 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 what's that one song? Uh, uh, Disturbed, down with the sickness. That would have been you. Yeah, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we would have seen you in Jankos in middle school. Yeah, I mean, I definitely that or I would have just gone hard like like goth or like emo more, you know, not full goth. I probably would have gone more that. See, Gavi, I have told you that every IFB kid like secretly wants to be like a scene kid. <laughs> oh, Hundo P. Because Hundo I have P. talked about on the podcast before how like all I wanted growing up was like dyed purple hair <laughs> and like those cute gloves that girls used to wear, you know, yeah, like the so fingerless the fingers, gloves. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. that was all I wanted in the entire Evan, what, world. What was what was your thing? Like what so what was your uh dyed pink hair of the IFB? Like what I wanted? Like yeah, the what one, you yeah, the wanted, one thing you but wanted. You weren't allowed, but was denied to you cruelly. 
Oh God, I don't, I don't know because I was so, I was so in it. I saw some things, but I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that there was something. I think I just wanted to know what it's like to wear a pair of pants. I don't even know if I got that far into what kind of those, what those pants would be like or what they would look like. I just wanted to try them. You know, if they're if they're Jenko jeans, then it's not that different from wearing a dress anyway. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> I probably would have been a good starter. <laughs> yeah. So uh, is there anything that you is there anything that you haven't gotten to yet? Like my thing is evolution. Like I mm. certainly believe that it's very, very, very likely that the world evolved and was not created by God. Like I, I intellectually, I do understand this, but I just like I need so much more information about evolution before I can like say like, yep, I believe that. Because, like, I I never learned it, and I feel like I shouldn't just say I believe something without knowing what it's about. So what's – but what's your thing? Like, what's, like, one thing you haven't done yet or one thing that you still really want to do, like, post getting out of the IFB? You mean, like, discover or understand or – Like, experience, uh, understand, just, like, I don't know, skydiving. Like, what – like, if there's anything <laughs> that, like, you haven't gotten to yet but you've always meant to do it and you're going to get to it eventually – I honestly, I mean, I, I would, and not to be very like unoriginal, but I really would like to, to see the world like, you know, at Europe and, and travel because my travel has really only consisted of Canada and the United States. So I, I want to know what the rest of the world is like, because everything in the IFB is so nationalist and it's so American imperialism, really. It's just this idea that America is flawless and perfect. And I know that's not true, but I also know that I only have really my American perspective. So even connecting with people in other countries to go over and see what those other countries are like and to really hear what people think of America and who we are and even even our Western form of Christianity would be very interesting to me. Uh, I do think that on a lot of points, I've I've solely found my way. I have learned that I don't make snap judgments anymore. So whenever I hear something new and I automatically recoil and say, that can't be true, I've learned to to stop and relax and, and then ask, why can't that be true? How can I find the answers? And that's been a really big part of my healing because there were things that were so offensive to me when I left, even, even as I was no longer welcomed back in the IFB. There were things, you know, like abortion or certain topics that were so offensive to me if they were even mentioned. And I had to learn to let go and really ask my questions. And so I feel like on a lot of topics, I, I know where I stand today, but I also am not afraid to change my opinion tomorrow. So that's where I'm at right now. That wow. was like a perfect answer. Thank that was a great answer. And I think that's probably a good thing to go ahead and wrap up our interview on just because that was like so good. I have one more question to <laughs> okay, ask. Okay, go ahead. So you, Evan, you said that when you were like sort of on the way out, you would go out, you would go to movies. So Sadie told me what the first movie she ever went oh, to no. see in, in theaters was. And uh, we'll, we'll tell everybody later. Uh, but what, <laughs> So what was the first movie that you went to see in the movie theater when you got out of the IFB? Or well, when you were on the way out of the IFB? 
I saw a few movies in the IFP. I got in big trouble for them. So I don't know the first movie that I saw when I was out, but I can tell you the first movie I ever went to. I was 16 years old. What well, did you get that you got in trouble for? Oh, yeah. I got oh, massive okay. trouble. I, uh, what, the legend goes that I split my parents ch- or my grandparents' church, but that's a little bit of an <laughs> exaggeration. Wow. Because I had snuck out with the um, – I was visiting my grandma in South Carolina – and I had snuck out with her pastor's son and gone to the movies. And he was quite a bit older than me. The guy honestly had no business taking me out on a date. But I wanted to go to the movies. And so he took me to see Born Ultimatum. Um, I don't remember much of the movie, but I was just like – it was like this experience that was just – I don't know. It was magical and terrifying at the same time. I didn't know what was happening. Um, and then yeah, later the – Born <laughs> Ultimatum. Your Born hot Ultimatum. Date. Who hasn't yes. gone to the movies? But okay, what are we going to see? We're going to go see Born Ultimatum. <laughs> That's where he was taking me. So Not a I bad went. Movie, but- <laughs> and then afterwards, we sat in Sonic, and he played Celine Dion for me, which I am so grateful to him for that because I have no shame in saying I love Celine Dion. My wife loves Celine Dion. We are big Celine fans, and so um, that was, was my, my heart first will time. go on. My, of course, my heart will go on. We are. My- I- <laughs> We had an episode. I made Sadie review Titanic. I made really? Sadie watch Titanic. And I, I'm telling you, man, my heart will go on is a top tier jam. Oh, it's Hundo amazing. Feet. In my deep depression, I would just blare that while I drank and cry. <laughs> you know? oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> well, I'm so glad your heart has gone on. My dreams. It's beautiful. I see you. This is this happens I every episode. He starts singing. You. Yeah. You just have to wait till he's done. It's all right. Oh mind. man, I hope I don't trigger you. <laughs> oh good lord! No. So um. So uh. What was I? What was I literally? Oh, Kami, did you want to tell him what my first movie was just so that he can laugh? Do. Yeah, it was a uh, Get Hard with Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> and there's wow. like a there's like a there's a there's full frontal nudity in that yeah, movie. Yeah, that's that's, that's a- like. And wow. so I went to see that movie on my 22nd birthday. I was barely out of the IFB. My Chuck is trying to talk about it because she was she thinks she was there, apparently. Yeah. I was literally barely out of the IFB. 22nd birthday. Had never seen a penis in real life. And then there was one Ooh. on the movie screen. Wow. Like, That's an experience. A thousand million feet tall. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a ride. Oh, I can fall. That was... That was <laughs> You know yeah, what? That just that, that's that's jumping right into the deep end, so you get used to it. I mean, you can only go up from there in your movie experience. I mean, so. you've seen that's Jack true. Scott pretend that uh, Arrow was his penis. <laughs> that's true. <So>. Yeah. <laughs> Evan, were you at the polish shaft? I was. I was, I was at there. the polish shaft. Yeah, yeah, I, he, was sitting, I was sitting <laughs> kind of behind. I'll tell you where I was in the new auditorium. I was sitting kind of not behind the PA booth, but if you go one section further over from the PA booth towards the center of the room in the balcony, the back section of the balcony, the front row of the back section of the balcony. Okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> See, well, I, I had heard that um, sermon a couple times. That was a, a popular one for him. So uh, he, when we used to have youth conference in the old auditorium, I don't know if you ever went in there, the smaller one that became what they call the Spanish my first year was the year that they opened the new okay. auditorium. I turned oh, 12 okay. the year that they opened the new auditorium. Yeah. So he had preached that sermon and he had done that bit a while, but that was definitely one of his most graphic times. And it also, 
um, because, you know, he was filming everything at that point. It just, you know, it took off. And then of course he had his charges shortly afterwards. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, I had, I had grown up hearing that sermon. I, I think I might've been like in seventh or eighth grade, the first time I ever saw him preach that sermon. But when you saw it that time, it was different. I mean, yeah, it was, but he was still polishing the shaft. He always polished mm-hmm. the shaft. <laughs> that was, the, it was the name of the sermon. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it says it in the title. Well, I was not <laughs> writing checks that he can't cash. That's well, right. I wanted to end on an inspirational note, but I'm doing a podcast but with two boys and this is where we've ended up. Yeah. Polish shaft, you know, polish the shaft. We're going to make <laughs> jokes is, is all we do. <laughs> Uh, man uh, evan i want to wholeheartedly thank you for agreeing to come on our show as a guest this has been an awesome interview we really appreciate all of the stuff that you're doing not just as a part of uh, the the vashti initiative but also in support of the lgbtq community uh that's an excellent endeavor and an excellent work that you are doing uh we think that that's great uh, and it's 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 been awesome to just have you on as our guest. You you've been great. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I've had a lot of fun with you two tonight, and I am looking forward to listening to this and sharing it, and everything else that you guys are putting out. I did listen to some of your episodes as well before I came on, and you're also doing really great work. So I appreciate <sighs> it, and thank you. Yeah. Um. One more time. Do you want to plug the Vashti Initiative? Tell us yes. where we can go to find we out more also, information. We will also put it on our Instagram, but go ahead yes. and do that. Put it on our Instagram, put a link in the show notes. We'll, we'll blast it everywhere. Yes. If you go to Vashti, V-A-S-H-T-I, initiative.org, you can uh, contact us there. You can find out about our events, support groups, and every other service that we offer. Also, if you call one eight three three four, the number 4, Vashti, V-A-S-H-T-I, one eight three three four vashti You can talk to a representative between 10 and 8 p- uh, 10 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, seven days a week. We will be there to answer, give you some port, maybe give you some resources, and maybe put you in touch with someone else who can help you as well. And also, if you are a person who likes donating money to charitable organizations, you can send them money. Yes, is a thing do. that you can do. <laughs> Yes, you can. There is a donate. There is a donate page. We receive uh, donations through PayPal as well. So you can go there and we could any help you can send. Is it tax deductible? Yes, it is. We we got our 501c3 award letter this week. Um, so we are you, all tax write offs now. And um, yeah, so we can do corporate matching, all kinds of stuff. So uh, wow. send, us a, send us a donation. Excellent, excellent, excellent stuff. Uh, uh, if, if y'all ever need to hire a full-time accountant, uh, I'm going to have my degree in about two, two and a half, three years. Well, okay. you know what? I think that's probably about the time we're going to be able to hire say, people. So there I was going to say, like, if y'all get really big, I'm just saying, mm-hmm. I want to personally, I want to work for a nonprofit. Oh so, yeah, I mean, that, the goal is to get some. The goal is to get some serious funding um, over the next few years. I mean, the biggest barrier right now is just that a lot of people aren't aware of spiritual and religious abuse, so a lot of foundations aren't uh, don't have funding for these um, groups. But as we work to create awareness, we're hoping to get some funders, and then we absolutely want to have paid staff in the next two to five years. That's the goal right now. So we're working towards that and we absolutely will bring you on as an accountant. We're going to need it. So it's going to be one eight. It's one eight three three four Vashti and Vashti initiative.org. Evan, do you want to plug your social media uh, and plug your podcast? 
Um, yeah, well, you can call uh, follow the Vashti Initiative at Vashti Initiative. Make sure you add the initiative if you follow at Vashti. I think you follow a real estate company. So at Vashti Initiative, um, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram mainly. We are on Twitter, not very active as of right now. Also looking for people to manage our social media. So if you're wanting to volunteer, you can reach out. Um, and then if you wanted to follow the Your Queer Story podcast, we are on all platforms at Your Queer Story. And yeah, check us out. We've also got yourqueerstory.com and you can go there. We've got downloadable scripts and um, blog and a bunch of other queer related items there. Highly recommend it. So listeners, uh, this is going to be the end of the interview portion of uh, this episode, but don't go anywhere because we are going to take a short break and then we are going to come right back. And when we come back, we are going to read another story from a listener. Uh, so you want to be here for that. It's really powerful. It's really moving. Um, and we hope you guys enjoy it. Hey, Gavriel here. If you enjoy the Leaving Eden podcast, head over to our Facebook group, Eden Exodus, where you can talk to other fans, ask us questions, and share memes. That's facebook.com slash Exodus. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Leaving Eden Podcast, and you'll get access to extended and uncensored episodes. You can also support our show by recommending it to your family and your friends. The Leaving Eden Podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. And now, back to the show. So we are back back uh we have one more story for uh from a listener before we wrap up this episode uh um and sadie uh why so why do we pick this story for today so emory is somebody who's really active in our uh eden exodus facebook group and i've really enjoyed interacting with him on there yes i thought that it would be a Neat to combine his story with Evan's story because they're both transmasculine people. And uh, there are some there are some tie-ins to some other things that we've heard from other people's stories, uh, things that correlate well with Evan's story, which we all just heard. And and just a really great uh, – Emery's email was just really great all on its own. Yeah, I, this was one of the – I think this one was one of the standouts that we got, one of the standout stories. So I'm they excited to – They all stood out to me. But yes, I, I really did love this one. And uh, – I know that sometimes think that people who hear our show think that we're their friends because <laughs> like, because we, we share so much about ourselves, especially me on this show. Um, people feel like they know us. I feel like I know Emery because he's just so great in the, in the Eden Exodus group. Very sweet story. Or like very powerful story. Very moving story. I, I don't yeah. know if sweet's the right. Well, it's, it's a powerful story. It's a strong story. I am uh, honored to be reading this story. So you will hear the story from this man in a man's voice, which will be fun, which will be good. Um, so I'm going to uh, start this off. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Okay. So um, this is from Emery. And he says, I honestly struggled whether to send you anything at all, partially because of the possibility of my odd of my old name and partially because I don't know how people will react. But I think this needs to be heard. Well, I think this needs to be heard, too, as well, after having read it. A small amount of background. I grew up in the IBLP. I faced physical, emotional, sexual, and spiritual abuse at the hands of my parents, grandparents, and pastors. I was sent to a conversion therapy camp and then placed in an arranged marriage. 
My husband was severely abusive and caused me to have a stillbirth. I had three living children and several miscarriages before leaving at age 28. So the thing I want to tell your listeners is that I left. I didn't have the words to describe who I was. I knew I wasn't attracted to men. I knew I didn't feel like a girl. I grew up so sheltered. I didn't know what trans was. I didn't even know the meaning of gay or lesbian. The only times I heard them was in reference to the causes of hurricanes and a vague reference to waffles that I still don't understand. It makes me equally angry and sad to think about. Even after leaving, it took me a long time to get to a point where I had vocabulary to tell anyone what I felt. First, I was able to admit that despite being sent to a year-long camp to try and cure my same-sex attraction sin, I was still not straight. I decided to stop trying to fit into that box and figure that part out. That led to a string of relationships, most of them unhealthy, followed by a second marriage that followed uh, many of the patterns I knew in my life. I won't go into details, but towards the end of our marriage, my husband transitioned from female to male. It was like a light that came on for me. That moment finally gave me those words to describe who I am. As much as I was hurt by so many things in my marriage, I wouldn't take it back. I have been in therapy now for a decade, in specific cult deprogramming therapy for two years. I have been clean from drugs and alcohol for two and a half. Congratulations, Emery. Yeah, congratulations, Emery. That's a, that's a, 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 a huge accomplishment. I explored my gender in Dungeons and Dragons first. Oh, man. Shouts out to Jack Chick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I explored my gender in Dungeons and Dragons first. I played with pronouns in that space where I was surrounded by people who cared about me. My characters allowed me to safely explore a lot. And no one has ever asked me to do real witchcraft. Weird, huh? So strange. <laughs> that is weird. I, that's like Jack Chick would be extremely disappointed when when hearing that. Um, so Emery goes on to say, I did drag with friends both as a drag queen and as a drag king. And then I started slowly telling people. I made an appointment, then canceled it and repeated the process several times with a clinic and finally started hormones. This month, June, marks two years on testosterone for me. I am the proud parent of a pansexual, non-binary 16-year-old and a gender non-conforming pansexual 14-year-old who are growing up with all the words I never have. Life is good and getting better every day. Anyways, I can truly say I love you both and that this podcast has brought so much healing and peace. All my love from Emery. Well, Emery, we love you too. Thank you for sending us this story. Uh, I, I, it, was, it was an honor to read it and an honor to uh, put, your, put your words and put your story into the airway. Yeah, we love you too, Emery. Um, Emery is one of our listeners. It's like, okay, well, if I ever met this person uh, pending consent, I would love to get a hug from this listener. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, you, yes, yes. This yes, is yes. just my buddy. What a good um, dude. And I forgot to say at the beginning, Emery uses what a he, he and they pronouns. Yeah, I forgot to, so. forgot to say that. Yeah, but. Um, and when somebody uses two sets of pronouns, um, usually you can just pick. Yeah, you can pick, which is nice. Um, it makes it easy. But no, that was that was a that was a fantastic story. 
and um raising the next generation that's the thing you raise- yeah and and being able to like I, I like the part about being able to play with pronouns in dungeons and dragons because that's something that hold on speaking of the next generation yeah that that reminds me of what i was going to say was that um part of it is uh that that makes us so happy about reading the story is that we have the story of um somebody raising children you know in an environment that is so different to the one that they grew up in and with the advantages that they never had and with the the validation that they never had and so emory happy for you happy for your children happy for your family yeah and what i was going to say about dungeons dungeons and dragons is i think that's something that I've had a few friends reach out to me like, hey, I don't know if I might be trans. I don't know if I'm non-binary. I don't know what's going on with me. And the first thing I always suggest is just find a place to play with it. Just like introduce yourself to a new person and use different pronouns or use a different name and just see how it feels. Because just just be, having a safe place to play with that can be a real good indicator if it's of if it's the right thing for a person or not. That's true because with D and D, what you're making up a you're making up a pretend character, but then you can just right. say. Well, this character can be anybody who I want it to be. But if this character is me, then maybe, you know, I want to see, you know, is is this character expressing my myself and my identity in a way that I would want to express it myself, my identity public? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just and I, and I think having that that safe space, um, you know, I hear. Oh, chuckle. Well, it's just a pacifier. She's fine. She just she just likes to spit her pacifier out. Mm-hmm. She's loud. She wants to be on the radio. Yeah, uh, everybody, thanks for uh, tuning into this episode. I know this one's been on the short side, but I think uh, we had a really good interview, a really good conversation with Evan and Emery. Uh, if you're out there listening, uh, your letter was it hit us right in the heart. So uh, thanks for sending that. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you to everyone who's been sending in letters. We've been enjoying all of them so much. Uh, I always text god or he texts me whichever one of us sees the letter in our inbox first like we got another letter go read it yeah um, it's been exciting and fun and we've really tried to you know we've been trying to uh, i think originally we planned on doing like one letter per show but like if you send us one like we will do our best to try to get it into an episode because we are like we just really like them and we 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 don't want to pick and choose yeah, and your stories are important and they and they're inspiring to us and this has just been the most enjoyable idea we ever had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we might have to do something more like that. Uh also, uh so in that same vein, uh keep sending us emails to leavingedenpod at gmail dot com because coming up uh next month I think we're going to do another Q and A episode. Uh we've been uh, so send us emails. Please send us emails with your questions about all of this stuff and we will try to answer them if we can. Oh, Thursday. Tune in Thursday. Uh, we're going to be doing another homework episode, a reverse homework episode. I'm going to be reviewing the uh, the Hedwig and the Angry Inch, uh, which I have watched once um, and I am about to watch again. And we're about to record that tomorrow. So that's going to be really fun. Yes, because uh, when you're going to review or make commentary on content, you you do actually listen or watch all the way through it, right? Oh, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> this is something really important to you. So I want to make sure I get the details. I, I watch it once, watch it twice, make sure I get all the details down so we can really talk about it. Yeah. And jokes aside, Hedwig is like a super important um, piece of media to me personally. So I'm I'm excited to discuss that on Thursday. Yeah. And that'll be super fun. Uh uh, yeah, so uh, you can uh, uh, follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, 
uh, at uh, Leaving Eden Podcast and on Twitter, it is at Leaving Eden Pod. Uh, you can join our Facebook group, which is called Eden Exodus. Uh, you can go there. Uh, people post in there literally multiple times every day with their stories or just their thoughts on something that they listen to. Um, it's super fun. We've been having a lot of great discussions. The in there. spiciest ex-Baptist memes. Yes, yes, yes. The ones that are fun. too spicy for for other ex-fundamentalists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. Hundred percent. And uh, you, if you want to hear uh, extended episodes uh, that are also uncensored, and also see uh, what Sadie thinks about The Handmaid's Tale, uh, she's been writing. Uh, uh, and and putting stuff on our Patreon, you can access all of that stuff if you go to patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast. Uh, all of our Patreon earnings for the month of June are going to the Howard Brown Health Center in Chicago, Illinois, which uh, which which provides health care to the LGBTQ community. Um, so it's going to a good cause. Sadie, do you want to plug your social media? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at Hell yes, Sadie on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music, and also on TikTok at Hell Yes Sadie as soon as I figure out how to get my username switched over because I figured out who stole my TikTok username and it was me. So I just have to get back <laughs> into that account and then I'll be able to have like my actual handle on TikTok. It's going to be great once I figure it out um, because, you know, I have all the time in the world with a three-month-old baby. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, I also wanted to do a really quick note here. A lot of people have been messaging me on my personal Facebook. There's not I'm not telling you not to. There's no rule against it. It's fine. It's just that if you're not my Facebook friend, you end up in my message requests. So if you have something to say that's time sensitive that you want to get my eyes on, send it to the podcast social media. I'm more likely to see it, you know, in less than two weeks. Well, if you want to follow me on social media, uh, all of my handles are the same on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse at G A V R I E L. H-A-C-O-H-E-N. And until Thursday, we're going to talk to you guys again on Thursday, and that'll be super fun. So stay tuned for that homework episode. And then next week, what what episode are we doing next week? We're doing... uh, Oh, yeah. Next week, um, we have tons of listener stories, um, including one that made us both cry. So that was like a double points listener story. Yeah, uh, And then we also, I'm going to be giving you a brief history of conversion therapy, the ex-gay movement, and the XX gay movement. Surprise, surprise, uh, praying the gay away does not really work. Not the most all. effective option. Not particularly effective. Yeah, so th- that's going to be that. Uh, and so be sure you tune in for that. Uh, we hope that you guys have a, a good day, an enjoyable day. Um, bye-bye. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. 
Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.